I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome in, OutKick the show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with me. Uh, I hope you had fantastic weekends. We got a lot to dive into. Book. It will be released in 22 days. American Playbook, my new book, August 8th. Go buy it. Go get the audio version of the book as well. Again, August 8th, 22 days from now. Uh, Nashville is hosting SEC Media Days. I'm going to dive in and talk about it. I was up in Ann Arbor, Michigan over the weekend. Had a good time on the University of Michigan's campus. Uh, Ron DeSantis sitting down with CNN and Jake Tapper. Um, We've got quarterbacks on Netflix, I believe currently the number one show in America. Woke Disney taking it on the chin again, falling to new lows. Uh, I will discuss DeAndre Hopkins headed to the Titans. We've got a lot. Go subscribe. Over 1.25 million of you uh, are now subscribed to uh, our YouTube channel. You can find me everywhere. Type in Clay Travis. Type in OutKick. You'll be glad that you did. We are on the march to two million um but let's start here uh with sec media days in nashville this to me is always a sign that football is almost here uh my picks uh i believe the west will be won by you know what i know everybody's picking alabama but i actually think lsu and texas a&m both have a real shot I think the SEC West is wide open. Um, I would say of those three, I kind of like where LSU is at quarterback better. So I know LSU won the West last year. I know they have to go to Alabama this year. Again, July picks from me. I'm picking LSU to win the SEC West. SEC East. I think that Tennessee, early prediction, will beat Georgia in November in Knoxville. But I think Tennessee's only going to win 9 or 10. Uh, I think the team is going to be a little bit wobbly. I'm going to take Georgia with that easy schedule, losing in Knoxville, not being undefeated. But I'm going to take the Bulldogs. I think Tennessee goes 10-2. and two. I think Georgia goes 11-1. and one. I think we will have a rematch in Atlanta. Georgia going up against LSU. There is my pick uh, for the SEC championship game. Georgia versus LSU. I've got Tennessee second in the East. I'll give you my full one to seven rundown. I've got LSU one in the West, and I'm going to have Bama second and A&M third in the SEC West. There is my preview. SEC Media Days are here. Wednesday, we are going to do, I'm throwing, a party at 6th and Peabody, Old Smokey. We have a bunch of different bands that are coming out to play Wednesday night, downtown Nashville should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's free, no charge to come in, listen to the bands. Uh, really good. I'll break down more of this. You can go check my Instagram. You can go check my Twitter feed and see the details. But Wednesday night party, I cannot wait. More news off the top. Happy birthday to my mom and Katie. 
Katie has been with me for nine years. She has been with me. She is like uh, my like absolute must-have assistant. She is right now in labor with her first baby. Uh, been with me for nine years. Uh, props to Katie and Josh, her husband, on their baby. She is in uh, labor right now. Uh, she is phenomenal member of the family. So big day here. Uh, all right, let's dive in here. Um, I spent the weekend in Ann Arbor. I, I first great time. University of Michigan, very cool campus. Ann Arbor, cool town. My oldest son is in uh, a summer camp there, which was why I was up there. I was up there with my two youngest boys um, and. Uh, my wife's family is all from Michigan, so we got a lot of people up there. But I got to tell you this. The number of people in Ann Arbor, oftentimes teenagers, people in their 20s, super young, wearing masks, blew my mind. I don't know how we get these people's brains to unbreak and for them to rec recognize how ridiculous they look Walking around in July, outdoors, wearing masks, these people's brains are broken. I couldn't believe how many people I saw all over the University of Michigan campus, all over Ann Arbor. And some people say, I don't know why you care. Why do you care? Because if people do things that are anti-science and totally illogical, we can't get back to normalcy until people are willing to recognize that they were wrong. If you wore a mask, if you socially distanced, if you got any COVID shot, much less if you're now on your eighth or ninth shot, you were wrong. You are a sheep. You listen to idiots and you have established yourself as an idiot. If you are still wearing a mask in America today, your brain is broken you have allowed fear porn to take over your life and you need to be red-pilled and recognize how much you got wrong. All those right-wing zealots, all those red state redneck losers, they got COVID more right than you did. And that goes to the essence. It wasn't just that you were wrong. It's that the people you hate actually ended up being right. You look like an imbecile if you are still wearing a mask anywhere, but certainly if you're a teenager or in your 20s and you're walking around with a mask outdoors, you're basically letting everyone know that you fell victim to a very pernicious form of mental illness. I actually feel sorry for you. The number of people I saw wearing masks this weekend in Ann Arbor in July of 2023 blew my mind. The number of people working still wearing masks. The number of people, the people who made my coffee were wearing masks inside of a hotel. I feel sorry for you. I feel bad for you you were taken advantage of. The Democrat Party took advantage of your susceptibility to fear. Free your mind. Free your face. Take the red pill and recognize how much better life is 
when you take control of your future and stop being a sheep. I just got to say it. Um, quarterbacks, positive. Number one show when I checked most recently on Netflix. It's fantastic. I'm going to watch it with all three of my boys. I'm going to watch it with my wife. If you are a big fan of football, and maybe for whatever reason, other people who are fans of football are not as big of football fans as you are. Quarterbacks documentary, Peyton Manning, Omaha Productions, executive producer, follows around Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, and Kirk Cousins. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. And as much as the NFL is already a content juggernaut, I believe this is going to bring in more people like the F1 show did and like the PGA show did. It is going to bring more viewers into this story than otherwise would have been there. Um, And I got to tell you, it is fabulous. Okay? I encourage you to go watch it. If you're jonesing, I mentioned that right now we got SEC Media Days going on. Big Ten's coming soon. I know a lot of you out there ready for your football hit. You're ready for football to return. We still got about six weeks to go. I guarantee you, you are going to love quarterbacks on Netflix. Your kids are probably going to like it. Your wife is going to like it. Your mom may like it. Happy birthday to my own mom again. I think she would enjoy it. I'm telling you, go check it out. All right, Uh, DeAndre Hopkins headed to the Titans. I know, I know. People want to steal my joy because I am a long-suffering Titans fan. Titans had to do this. They're overpaying DeAndre Hopkins. I think this is uh, kind of a sign that they blew it with A.J. Brown. They gave, uh, whatever it is, $16 million this year to DeAndre Hopkins. This is what you have to do. Here's a stat for you that blew my mind. Mike Vrabel, 12 touchdown catches. Nobody else on the Titans roster is even close to the number of touchdown catches that Mike Vrabel, defensive lineman, had with Tom Brady and the Patriots. You know, you know your wide receiver core is struggling when the defensive line coach, who a defensive lineman who is now the head coach, is more explosive offensively than any wide receiver on the, on the team. I hope Traylon Burks is going to pan out. I was not in favor of the A.J. Brown trade from the moment it happened. Go back and look at what I said. Uh, congratulations to the Eagles for getting him, but this is a default acknowledgement uh, that deciding to trade A.J. Brown was the wrong move. My concern, look, DeAndre Hopkins, 31 years old. Titans tried this with Julio Jones. It didn't work out. Most wide receivers, when they get past the age of 30, hamstring issues, health issues, they aren't able to be extremely productive. I'm not sold on the offensive line being able to protect uh, Ryan Tannehill at all, especially with Petit Frere, uh, little brother in French, out uh, with a former Ohio State tackle. Uh, Petit Frere being out for gambling on sports from the Titans facility. Not optimistic about how this is going to go in terms of being able to protect Ryan Tannehill. I think it was a must-do move. Uh, To me, the Jags should still be the favorite because I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the AFC South. Uh, We don't know how C.J. Stroud's going to do. We don't know how Anthony Richardson's going to do. I'm not a big fan of Ryan Tannehill in general. In, uh, as a a general rule, picking the best quarterback in every division often gives you a good sense of who's actually going to win that division. I do think that the Texans uh, and the Colts should not be very good. Jags, 
even though they beat the Titans twice, Titans, Jags, this should come down to the division. I hope uh, the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins can stay healthy. And if he can, if DeAndre Hopkins can stay healthy, he only played nine games last year and put up some big numbers uh, in terms of what he was able to do. Uh, and I wanted to hit those numbers if they're in this, uh, in this stat. Again, $15 million uh, with incentives, everything else, 31 years old. Uh, but he only played in nine games last year uh, and had 64 catches, 717 yards, receiving three touchdowns. Barely played half the year. Again, if you doubled those, over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards, uh, and a bunch of games. Only two 100-yard receiving games last year for the Titans, one of the least explosive offenses in the entire NFL. You still have Derrick Henry. Uh, I hope that that is enough to give the Titans a chance to win the AFC South, even if there's virtually no chance of the Titans getting past Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, the amount of young stud quarterbacks, uh, Trevor Lawrence probably, you can throw him in there, in the AFC is crippling. Uh, and I'm not sold that Will Levis is ever going to be able to run with these guys, but I know Ryan Tannehill, the most mediocre out there. Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We're continuing to roll. More coming back in a moment, but first... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This. Uh, okay. Ron DeSantis sitting down with Jake Tapper, interview with CNN. Here is what I would say is the challenge for Ron DeSantis and my advice would be for Ron DeSantis in this interview with Jake Tapper. You've got to absolutely eviscerate him. Record the entire thing yourself. DeSantis was at his best when he went after unfair media uh, like he did when 60 Minutes did the expose on Publix and the COVID shot, and he absolutely eviscerated them. Trump was fabulous on CNN Town Hall. Record the entire thing you've got to rise up and dunk all over Jake Tapper. And here's what people are missing about Trump. He's having a lot of fun. Having a lot of fun. His campaign is dominating right now because he's having a good time and he's soaking up all the oxygen. To me, there are a lot of guys that are already done before we even get anywhere near voting. Mike Pence is finished. Asa Hutchinson is finished. I think Nikki Haley is done. Basically, all these people are falling by the wayside. They're never going to actually make a run. I would say there are five people alive, in my opinion, right now, uh, in this order. Donald Trump, clearly number one. Ron DeSantis, this is as of July 17th, my power rankings of the Republican primary field. Trump, one. DeSantis, two. I think Vivek Ramaswamy has surged all the way up to number three. I think Tim Scott's in fourth, uh, fourth place. Chris Christie's in five. Everybody else has no chance. I'm not saying that all of these guys have chances. I'm just saying that's my power five. Power rankings right now of the five guys that I believe are alive in the Republican primary. Everybody else is dead on arrival. 
of those five, four of them are going to be on the stage on August 23rd. A couple of them are going to advance at least as far as New Hampshire. My power five right there. Trump is having a good time. He's soaking up all the oxygen. You're not going to win on policy right now. You have to win on attention. Right now, you are all competing for oxygen. Most people are focused on Trump to the extent that they are focused on anything at all. Policy's not going to win, right? Trump is a uniquely difficult candidate. He's a wildly popular entertainer. You have to figure out a way to cut through all of that noise and actually entertain people. That's why I think DeSantis needs to go to war with Jake Tapper. Call him out on everything that he was wrong on. Call out CNN for being fake news. Make sure that the entire interview airs and go to war. Now, probably won't play well on the left, certainly, but you need to demonstrate that you have got the ability to actually cut through and create a news cycle that is in your favor. So far, that hasn't happened. I would do as much media as possible. I would do Megyn Kelly. Certainly, I would do a lot with us at OutKick. Uh, I would try to do as many different non-traditional media outlets as possible, in addition to setting yourself up to have basically throwdowns, wrestling matches against people at CNN and MSNBC. Use them to pivot off of and draw attention to. That would be my advice. Most of all, have fun. Have fun. The candidate that has the most fun in the Republican primary, I believe, is going to win. Who's having a lot of fun right now? Trump? I would say Vivek. Who else is having fun? A joyless candidacy, a serious candidacy, is not going to be able to make Trump sweat at all. You've got to have fun. You've got to have some joy. Happy warriors There's not a lot of happy out there. There's not a lot of fun. Speaking of idiocy and the opposite of fun, Disney stock, as I am speaking to you right now, is tanking yet again. Now, you've got the Hollywood actor strike. You've got the writer strike. But let me just hit you with this. Um, As we are speaking right now, Disney stock is down almost $3 a share. Disney stock is right now trading at roughly the same price that it was all the way back in, let's see, October of 2014. Think about how crazy that is. October of 2014. If you had bought stock in Disney in October, it's even worse than this, June of 2014. If you had bought stock in May and June of 2014, you would have lost money on Disney stock simply by holding it for the last nine years. Now, it doesn't take into account inflation, doesn't take into account the dividend, but that's how bad of a spot Disney is in as it approaches down $3 today. I think this Snow White thing is really cutting through and epitomizing for many people exactly how out of touch woke Disney has become. If you missed this story, over the weekend, Disney came out, uh, pictures did, 
of, first of all, Disney is remaking all their animated f movies as live-action films. Lion King, Aladdin. Most recently, they just did The Little Mermaid. This is a pretty strong sign that you're out of ideas, that you are turning cartoon movies into real-life movies with actual actors, okay? Not a good sign that you're making The Little Mermaid as if it were a, uh, not a cartoon, okay? But for Snow White, they are doing away with the seven dwarfs. They have only one dwarf, and then they have six full-sized adults who are playing the role of the seven dwarfs, and they all look like sort of androgynous, creepy, weird. What in the world are they doing this movie's supposed to come out in March of next year. I think it is a perfect approximation of how much Disney has lost their way. Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, allowed the woke virus to infect all aspects of Disney. He should have stayed retired. Instead, he came back, and he's getting hit on all fronts. Uh, the newest Pixar movie, all-time failure for Pixar films. Indiana Jones, the newest one, failure. They had to shut down a Star Wars hotel. Ten-year lows on July 4th in crowds at Disney World. ESPN hemorrhaging subscribers. ESPN Plus uh, and Disney Plus struggling. Disney Plus actually declining number of subscribers. All of these fronts hitting Disney simultaneously and the cost associated with being super woke going to be the most difficult of all. This Snow White movie feels like the live-action version of Snow White, which also, by the way, has a Latina Snow White, whatever. It just feels desperate. It feels desperate. It feels cosmetically woke. And all of these are landing like body blows on Disney. And I think Disney is in the middle of getting Bud Lighted in a way that is incredibly, incredibly impactful. Uh, finally, I wanted to hit this. I mentioned that Tennessee, uh, and uh, we were talking about SEC Media Days going on, that Tennessee got their punishment from the NCAA tournament. Um, and one of the individuals involved in seeing what that punishment was going to be was actually the Tennessee Attorney General, Jonathan Skirmetti. Um, he wrote to the NCAA and said that if Tennessee faced a bowl ban, that the university would, the state of Tennessee would sue because NCAA rules can't supersede Tennessee law. Uh, and I'm reading from some of this letter. Tennessee law prohibits the NCAA from imposing a bowl ban. And the attorney general said, I will not hesitate to vindicate the rights of UT students to enjoy the full measure of their intercollegiate athletic opportunities. Um, and so this is an interesting example. I've not heard uh, this taught about, talked about a lot, but the state of Tennessee threatened that if the University of Tennessee faced a bowl ban, they would sue because the NCAA does not have the right to supersede the overall, uh, the overall law of the state of Tennessee. If you want to know what a totally neutered NCAA looks like, and I'll share a couple of quotes from this letter, um, but back in March, 
again, the Attorney General of the state of Tennessee said, if you try to implement a bowl ban, we will sue. And guess what? The NCAA rolled over. They accepted Tennessee basically with the punishment. They gave them some fines. But I think this is a roadmap for many other states out there that have passed different NIL laws that there is no power of the NCAA to penalize different state institutions because state law supersedes NCAA regulation. Very important uh, detail here that I would imagine a lot of other states will be following uh, as well. All right, I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. My name is Clay Travis. Go buy yourself a copy of American Playbook. Thank you all for being fans of OutKick, and I will see you guys same bat time, same bat channel tomorrow.